Hello, my friends. I hope that you heard my exciting news last week that I have teamed up with one of my dear friends, Monica Packer, who's the host of the podcast About Progress. She's also been a guest on this show twice before. And we have launched Podcast University, or Podcast U, as we're calling it. It is an online school for all things podcasting, and we truly want to help you to start or grow a podcast if that's something that you're interested in. Our first course, Podcasting 101, How to Start Your Podcast, is open for enrollment now through the end of June only. So hurry and get signed up for that if you have been dying to start a podcast. And even if you're not ready to enroll in that course yet, but you just want a little bit more information about podcasting, it's something that you've considered, we want you to sign up for one of our free classes, which will take place this month. There's one on Saturday, and then there's two more next week. It's called Three Things You Must Know Before You Start a Podcast. You can find out all of the information about our course and this free class at 3in30podcast.com forward slash podcast you. We would love to have you join us. And today on the podcast, we have an extra special solo episode, which is truly straight from my heart. It is about my dad. I feel like if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have heard so much about my mom. As you know, she was such a fighter. She battled breast cancer for 13 years and passed away when I was 19. But it's not just my mom who made an incredible impact on my life and on who I am. It's also my dad. He is every bit as amazing as my mom, and I have wanted to shine a spotlight on him for several months. I even asked him to come on the show for a special Father's Day episode, <laughs> but he declined saying that he didn't think he had anything to teach to moms. He didn't know what his three takeaways would be. And so I said, okay, dad, you don't have to do it. And inside I was scheming and thinking, well, if he won't come on, then I'm going to do a solo episode about him and embarrass him. And I think that you will agree with me that he has so much to teach us about parenting. People are often amazed by just how close my sisters and I are to my dad. He planned our weddings. He's the one who comes and helps us after we have babies. And we all talk to him frequently and get his advice on the ups and downs of our life. And obviously, this is a unique situation because we don't have a mom. We maybe turn to him more often than we otherwise would. But I truly believe that the things that my dad did when we were little to build bonds with us have made all the difference. So when the hard times came and when we lost our mom, we already had that solid relationship there that then blossomed into something so beautiful. I know that even if my mom were still living, we would be extremely close to him because of the way that he loved us so well when we were young and when we were teenagers. So if you want that with your children, if you want a rock-solid, lifelong bond with them, I hope that this episode will give you some ideas. This is episode 86, Three Easy Ways to Build Lifelong Bonds with Your Children. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I want to start this episode by describing a scene that happened quite frequently when I was a child. My sisters and I would be tucked into bed, calm, ready to go to sleep, 
when we would hear my dad having just arrived home from the law office. He is an attorney. And we would hear his feet downstairs and we would call for him to come up and give us a kiss. He'd come into my room. He'd loosen his tie as he was coming in, ask how my day was, bend over to give me a kiss. And then inevitably, he'd take a big, deep, long sniff of my hair. And I knew what was coming and I would start to smile and giggle a little. He would say, mmm, this peach smells delicious. And then he would start pretending to take bites out of my arm (laughs) and pretend that he was eating chunks of a juicy, fresh peach. And then the best part would come. He would suddenly start howling, oh, this peach is rotten, and pretend (laughs) to vomit and pick me up out of my bed, say, throw it down the garbage disposal, and he would be twirling me around, making garbage disposal noises as he pretended to put the rotten peach down the drain where it belonged. As soon as I was good and riled up, he would plop me back in my bed, tuck me in, give me a kiss, and leave me laughing to settle myself back down to sleep. This is a classic example of the types of bedtime games that my dad played with us growing up. Always random, always exciting. We loved it. And I feel like this is a great lead in to my first takeaway about easy ways that we can build bonds with our children. And that is to play with them. And before you start to feel guilty, because maybe you're not a mom who likes to build with blocks or Legos or sit on the floor and play trains, that's not the kind of play that I'm talking about. My dad didn't do that stuff with us either, and to be honest, he doesn't do that with my kids now, even though he's super close to them. I'm not that way as a mother. I, like my dad, am very into productivity. I'm a doer. It's hard for me to sit and play. Sometimes I prioritize it, but honestly, not that often. What I learned from my dad is to be playful in my interactions with my kids. And this is what goes back to that. You know, I said that these are easy ways to build lifelong bonds with your kids. This isn't anything extra. This is just in your day-to-day interactions to be silly and playful and random and to just make memories with them through the unique things that you do. My dad was so good about having routine things, kind of like rituals that he did with us often that he really became known for and that we remember. He does the same thing with my kids now. We call him Bapa in our family and the kids all know they have certain games that they play with Bapa. When I was growing up, he would do something when he would come home from work called Boom. And it was just a game where he would come in the house. We'd run to him and say, let's play Boom. And he would take us up to his room and he would just throw us on his bed. And as we were soaring through the air, we would yell Boom as we would hit the mattress. And what's fun is that now he does something similar with our kids now that he's a grandpa. Um, he used he calls this throwing on the bed, but my niece has her cute little first grade uh, speech impediment, and so she calls it throwing on the bed, and so now that's what we all call it, throwing on the bed. And he will, before bedtime, the kids will all say, let's do throwing on the bed, and he'll take them into his room, and he does all these, he has specific names, so like the pile driver and the flipper, and they laugh hysterically and uproariously. When we go home for holidays, every night they play throwing on the bed with Papa. 
he still works a lot. He always worked a lot when I was growing up and he still works a lot, but he has these key things that he does with his grandkids. And that was the same as what he did with us growing up. And I really can't like overstate how simple these can be. You just have to be on the lookout for opportunities to be playful and to get down on kids level and make them laugh. One example is that my nephew Callum uh, got a bouncy ball for Halloween one year that looked like an eyeball. And my dad started this ridiculous game with him where my dad and Callum would throw the ball and it would bounce like crazy all over the house and then they would chase it and try to grab it. They called it eyeball. It's been years and Callum still keeps track of that so that he can play that with my dad. I think the key here is to be playful in our interactions with our kids, to have lighthearted interactions that show how much we enjoy them and that build affection and closeness. And obviously the way that you do this with your kids is not going to be the same as my random dad. Um, Whatever fits with your personality, this could be having dance parties in the kitchen. It could be funny nicknames that you give them. One thing that I do with my kids that's really simple, and I, but it totally fits me and they love it, is that sometimes when I get overwhelmed by how cute they are, I will like grab them and squeeze them and I'll say, I'm going to kiss your face off. And then I just kiss them all over. My kids love it. They actually request it. And Sally will say, mom, kiss my face off. And they just giggle and giggle and giggle. My husband does this um, when he plays on the trampoline with my kids. Sometimes when he comes home from work in the summertime, it's kind of a daily tradition that they'll have trampoline time and they wrestle and they jump and they really look forward to that time with their dad. So even if you are really busy, even if you are not a stay-at-home parent, whatever your situation, you don't have to sit on the floor and play for hours You just need to be playful in your interactions and show your kids how much you enjoy them and build affectionate traditions in your day-to-day life. Keep a lookout for those times and you will find them when you can have those interactions with your kids. The second takeaway for how to build lifelong bonds with your kids is to talk with them. And my dad always prioritized this with us when we were growing up. I remember that the first Sunday of every month, he would do what he called interviews with us, um, father-daughter interviews, where basically he just wanted it on the calendar that he was going to set aside time to just chat with us about our life and ask us about our friends and school. And, um, you know, we loved that when we were little, but as we started to get older, it started to feel kind of awkward. And the way that he eased that awkwardness was to kind of, again, make it kind of funny. And he would call it torture. And I don't know if that's a name that we gave it or that he gave it, but he went with it. And he would say, girls, it's time for the torture. And we would all like moan and groan and pretend like we didn't like him. We didn't want to do it. It was torture to have to go and meet with our dad one-on-one. But inside, I think that we just really valued knowing that our dad cared about us and that he wanted to talk with us. And that, again, it was a regular routine thing that he built into his schedule so that he knew that it would happen. Another really funny memory that we have that has to do with torture is my dad is infamous for falling asleep in random places. I think because he works so much, he's often really tired. He's fallen asleep at a professional baseball game. He's fallen asleep on a -a tilt-a-whirl at the amusement park. And he has even fallen asleep in the middle of these (laughs) father-daughter 
these father-daughter interviews. So here we are, you know, trying to have this heart-to-heart, and we realize all of a sudden that dad is asleep. And then we would, like, poke him and wake him up, and he would deny it and say that he wasn't sleeping. But he totally was. But you know what? We knew that he was trying and that he really prioritized talking with us and hearing about our lives. These interviews that happened when I was a child and kind of like a preteen, I think they really built the stage for more serious things later on that I knew that I could talk with my dad. And um, one example that immediately comes to mind for me was when I was a teenager um, and I started dating. And I grew up in a religious culture that um, we were really encouraged to wait for intimacy until marriage and to be careful when we were dating to not get into situations that might lead to something. My dad was actually my bishop at that time. Um, he, We have a lay ministry in my church, and so he had been asked to be the bishop for a few years of our church congregation. And um, so he was the one that would be kind of my spiritual advisor, not only as my father, but also as my church leader. And I remember one night as a teenager, I went into his home office. He was in there working on legal stuff. And I went in, I sat down across from him at his desk and I said, uh, dad, I want to ask you about French kissing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you even imagine your teenager saying that to you? Um, I remember he like kind of looked up startled and then he took his glasses off and put them down and said, okay, let's talk about this. (laughs) And so we talked about kind of like um, where my boundary should be with boys and what was okay and what wasn't. And he just gave me such calm advice Uh, He never freaked out. I always knew that he was a safe person that I could talk to about really anything. And that is my personality, um, that I am very open. I've always been open with my parents. And I know that not all teenagers are that way. But I also really credit it to knowing from a young age that my dad wanted to talk with me, not just at me, but with me. If this is something that you kind of struggle with, you're not really sure how to talk with your kids about deeper things or how to engage with them. I have an entire episode coming next month on how to talk with your kids instead of at them. So you can stay tuned for that. Okay, so we've learned that we need to play with our kids. We need to talk with our kids. And what is the third and final takeaway? It is to feel with our kids. This is so much easier said than done. Um, Sometimes as a parent, it is so easy to go into fix-it mode or we'll downplay our kids' disappointments or their pain or their experiences because we have a broader life perspective and we know that certain things are not a big deal. But when we're feeling with our kids, we're not going to sermonize. We're not going to tell them what they should do or what they should be feeling or how things are going to turn out or how we would have dealt with it at their age. We're just going to listen and we're just going to feel with them. One of the most classic examples of this, um, I've shared this on the podcast before, but it's such a great story. I have to share it again, is when my little sister was applying for colleges. So at this point, my mother had already passed away and it was just my dad and my little sister who were home and they formed a really special bond in those few years when she was finishing up high school and 
my older sister and I were already gone. My little sister is mega smart, and one of the colleges that she applied to was Stanford. She knew it was a bit of a reach, but she thought, why not? Why not just try for it? When she got the letter saying that she had not gone gotten into Stanford. She called my dad at work and told him and was pretty matter of fact about it, but I guess he could sense a little bit of disappointment in her voice. And she said, I'm fine. I knew I wouldn't get in anyway. And I'll see you tonight when you get home from work. Well, my dad decided on that day to leave work early, come home. And while she was at her play practice, my dad made a handwritten sign, a banner that he hung over the garage So when she drove up from her play practice, she saw the sign that said, Stanford sucks. (laughs) And when she went inside, my dad was there waiting with her favorite ice cream and they just commiserated and ate it together. Just got to process that experience of applying to colleges together. I love that story about my dad. It makes me laugh so hard every time. And I've realized more and more over the years that my dad is really good at just listening and not trying to fix which I think can be unusual for men. Um, You know, there's that stereotype that men are fixers, but my dad is actually really good at just hearing us out. He realizes that life is complicated and hard and that sometimes the solutions aren't straightforward and sometimes we just need to talk through it and he's just a good listening ear. So the Stanford sex story is kind of a funny one, but um, it leads into a story that is a little bit more serious about when my dad was really willing to just sit and feel with me. And that was the day after my mom passed away. I remember the night after she was gone, all of the grief just really hit me. And I was laying in my bed, just sobbing. And my dad came in and he sat on the bed next to me on the mattress and he just put his hand on my back and let me cry. And he didn't try to fix it. He didn't say anything. He was just there with me as I really grieved hard. And I remember verbalizing to him some of my deepest fears and some of the things that were coming up for me and saying, Dad, what if we never see mom again? And what if everything that we believe about heaven and God is just a lie? And I was really being confronted for the first time with whether or not I was going to really believe what I had been taught. And in that really vulnerable moment, my dad didn't try to fix me. He didn't sermonize. He just listened and he just felt with me. And after a few minutes, I remember him saying, Rachel, I absolutely, I do believe in God and in life after death. And I want you to know that. But I also want you to know that, of course, there have been times in my life when I have had questions and doubts, and it's okay for you to be feeling this way. He said, in the end, during those times, I've always decided that no matter what comes after this life, this is still the best way to live. And I just, that simple wisdom just resonated so deeply with me that my dad really believed that this was the best way to live with faith in something bigger, with faith in an afterlife, with faith in a loving God who was watching over us and that we would get to see our mom again. It really renewed my sense of safety and calm and security that first of all, he was just willing to sit and to feel with me first. And then he was willing to just give me a simple statement of his faith. And he wasn't trying to fix it. He was just sharing with me and feeling with me. 
My dad has continued to do that for me throughout my life when I've gone through infertility, when I have struggled with difficult things with my children. He's just a really good listener and he's always willing to feel with me. And I think that that's something simple that we can do for our kids. It doesn't take any extra time. It just takes being a compassionate listener and learning not to jump in with a solution or a sermon. You guys, I could go on and on with stories about my dad. This has actually been an extremely difficult episode for me to record because I feel like I just can't really do it justice. And this offering feels a little meager compared to everything that he has given me and everything that he is. I I just, I really can't capture it. But I hope that these three simple ideas of ways that we can connect with our kids and build bonds with them, even if we're really busy, will resonate with all of you and will give you ideas of little things that you can be doing every day with your own families. First of all, play with them. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be for hours every day. Just rely on small but consistent and memorable traditions and interactions with your kids. Second, talk with them. Show them that you welcome and that you can handle their questions and even that you'll schedule in a regular time to talk to them about their lives. And third, feel with them. Sit with them in their disappointments and their fears without trying to fix it or sermonize it. I really think that these three little things can make a transformative difference in the ways that we connect with our kids and build bonds with them that will hopefully last a lifetime. And I really thank you for humoring me in this little solo episode that I could share a big piece of my heart. So happy Father's Day, Dad. He does listen every week, which is stinking adorable, so he'll hear this. And I'm still lobbying to get him on as a guest so you guys can hear his humor and his wisdom in person. Maybe next year, but for the time being, I hope that this was helpful to you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to check out Podcast University. And I did also want to remind you, a couple weeks ago, I asked you to fill out a survey about 3 and 30. I'm gathering some demographics information, trying to figure out what the best use of my time is as I produce this show. If you haven't gotten a chance to do that yet, could you do that by the end of this week? I'm going to do a drawing for two of my workshop bags for two different people who fill out the survey, and I will do that at the end of this week. So if you haven't already, take a couple minutes. It really helps me so much. You can go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash survey, or I will put the link in the show notes. Thanks to all of you wonderful parents who are listening, and I hope that you have a great week with your family.